0: Pray. Amen. Amen. Would you open your precious Bible this morning to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter number 61. Psalm 61. While you're turning, I do appreciate your prayer. We had a good week um, away. And uh, I'm going to give you a little history lesson, or history lesson, but also a little bit of a fishing lesson. Um, The New River. In West Virginia, it gets its start in North Carolina. So it is one of the rivers in the United States that gets its start from the south and runs north. The Nile River is the longest river, but it also flows northward. And um, the new river was considered by the Indians that lived in that area in West Virginia the River of Death. That's what they called it, the River of Death. And it has. It's taken a lot of lives. It's a... A river that has a lot of rapids in it, a lot of white water. It's one of the best white water rivers in the whole world. It's got several class six rapids on it. So it's, it's a very unique river. And so we grew up on it. And so uh, everything really that touched my life. Kind of a river runs through it all. And so uh, anyway, when we went in this last week, my primary goal was, uh, as you know, Derek, he's my cousin. He was here this spring. He and I were like brothers growing up. And uh, we try to take a week every year, a few days, and try to go fishing. We primarily target catfish. And, uh, of course, we catch smallmouth, but we go there to really catch catfish. Now, he'll give you a little lesson on catfish. How many of you think you know all, what all kind of catfish there are? If you go to a catfish house down here, uh, you're eating channel cats. That's what you're eating. Small ones normally. But uh, that's not what we catch on the New River. We call what, what they're called flatheads. Some people call them shovel heads. We call them there in West Virginia, mud cats. Now, some people have the idea that they have a mud vein in them and they only, they're dirty fish. To be honest with you, channel cat, what everybody eats here in all these channel uh, cat, all these catfish places, they're actually dirty fish. Channel cat will eat dead stuff. Flathead will very rarely eat something dead. You usually have to use live bait. So they're very, very white meat, they're very good. And by the way, we caught enough to feed the whole family. So I want all the family to know, uh, if y'all miss it Monday night, we're gonna fix them up. So y'all be better be out mom's house because we're gonna eat. We're gonna have grease dripping down off of our lips and we're gonna have a good time. And so me and Derek probably had the best catfish night we ever had on Thursday night. And I'm gonna tell you what the action was like. It started before dark, he threw his line out. I had not even got my pole out yet. I'm trying to get all my stuff together. About that time the clicker goes off, he catches one, throws back out, catches another before I get my pole out. And I mean, we finally get four poles out, and it looked like a Chinese fire drill for about an hour and a half. <laughs> this pole was going off. I'd have this one in my hand. This one was going off. And I'm telling you right now, we caught more catfish in one evening in just about a couple of hours. And we have, I have, I've never had a night like that. So anyway, I'm just telling you all of that. We had a good time. So I'm glad y'all know a little bit more about catfish today. So when y'all go to these catfish houses down here, you're eating channel cat. Channel cat. But y'all come over to mom's there about Monday evening, you're going to know what real catfish is like. We're going to be eating flathead. And it's real white, flaky fish. And of course, I can't taste a drop of it, but it'll be good to eat anyway. Psalm 61, if you'll bear with me this morning, we're going to uh, read several of scripture. Psalm 61, the Bible says in verse 1, hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth while I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me, and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Chapter 62. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you. As a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly, Selah. My soul, wait thou only upon God. For my expectation expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is is a refuge for us, Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. Chapter 63. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed. And meditate on thee In the night watches. Because thou hast been my help. Therefore in the shadow of thy wings. Will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul. To destroy it. Shall go into the lowest parts. Of the earth. They shall fail. They shall fall. By the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes, but the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Now what I just read to you is a pouring out of a man's heart. David is one of my favorite Bible characters. He's just not a character, he's a real live person. That lived and we are his life is revealed to us through God's word. He's an amazing man. He did wonderful things for the Lord. But yet as you read these Psalms, this is a man that fought so long, so hard. He had so many circumstances in life. There were so many things that took place in his life that brought sorrow. That, great, that brought great hurt. That brought great despair and sorrow and of heart. And as I read these pastor scripture, I must be reminded that all of us are flesh. All of us also journeying in this life, uh, this journey called life. All of us will experience the highs and the lows. All of us will experience the valleys and the mountaintops. All of us will experience the sunshine and the rain. All of us will experience the same things that David experienced. And we live in that day where all of us are experiencing certain breakings of heart or struggles or, or great sorrow. And, and I, I, I want to go here this morning because I don't know if you need encouragement, but I need encouragement this morning. And I know that in this pastor scripture, my life verse is Psalm 61 one two. And there was a time in my life, very young, in Bible college, I was very young. I was green. Uh, I had nothing. I had nothing. I had no idea how ministry worked. I had no idea what it meant to be called to preach. I had no idea what I was looking forward to or getting ready to get involved in when I was a very young college student. But I remember that I was hurting in my heart, and God had worked in my heart in such a way that other people would talk about having a life verse. I didn't have one. I didn't have a life verse. I guess I claimed uh, Psalm sixty-two uh, earlier in life, or. Or, old taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in Him. But I was in a Bible a chapel one day. And I can still remember who preached it, Mickey Carter from down in Florida. He was preaching out of this pastor scripture. I'll never forget the title of his message. It was getting above the snake line. Getting above the snake line. Because he said to, lead, to be led into the rock that's higher than ice. And so you've got to get up above the snake line. By the way, we're below the snake line in, in Chattanooga. There's some dangerous snakes down here in Chattanooga. I've run into a few of them, Amen. Amen. And I've been told that uh, they're against the law to kill. So y'all be careful. But I, I just don't know what good a rattlesnake is, to be honest with you. Especially when you step right over top of one, and he about takes your heart away because you know he could have he could have bit you. And uh, Dad and I was there, and you know the story. But we were a long way from a hospital. I stepped over this rattlesnake, and we were looking for mushrooms. And Dad went. There's one, Mark. Well, I turned around, thinking, "Oh, we're already finding mushrooms." Turned around to realize that, right, but about six inches from my foot was a rattlesnake coiled up, never rattled nothing, and my heart just oh, failed. And by the way, I'd like to tell you that that rattlesnake—he's living a very peaceful life at this moment in his time. But I'll never forget. And that message he preached on getting above the snake law. But I have to say to you, and I hope you won't do what I did that day, but my mind kind of wandered. And I couldn't get past that verse, verse number two. And I I didn't look at it as getting above the snake line. I knew that my heart was overwhelmed with so many things in that day. And I said, boy, there's my help. I need to get somewhere that I can't get in my own strength. And I said, Lord, my heart's overwhelmed. That's the exact truth I needed. I needed to get to that rock that was higher than I. And from that day till now, I've claimed this is my life verse. I don't know about you, but we're going to live in this world, and our hearts going to be overwhelmed. It's going to be overwhelmed with pain. It's going to be overwhelmed at times. I'm sorry. The Bible tells us that we He does not give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and sound mind. But sometimes our hearts are overwhelmed by fear. Sometimes our hearts are overwhelmed by doubt. Sometimes our fear, our our heart is overwhelmed by hurt, by sorrow, disappointment. But as I read these passages of Scripture, I see a man here that has been hurt in probably so many ways. I mean, I want you to think about David's life just a moment. David was just a young boy and God had called him to be the king of Israel. And without him even knowing, he's out there watching the father's sheep. And Samuel, a strange visitor, comes to the house that day. And the Lord had told this man that you're going to find the next king there. So we know Jesse runs all the boys. By Samuel, and Samuel said, No, this is not him, this is not him, this is not him. He said, Don't you have any other son? He said, Oh, yeah, we got the young one out there. He's watching the sheep. He said, Bring him to me. And do you realize that day when David came forth, his life forever changed? His life forever changed. Oh, yes, it was a blessing, but his life was forever changed. And when he reigned by, he came by Samuel. Samuel said, That's the one and he anointed him. Prior to that, David knew some struggles and trouble because we know that when he was a young lad watching the sheep, the Bible tells us that a lion and a bear tried to kill those sheep and David ferociously, I mean courageously, as a grown man of warrior would fight, he fought off a lion and the bear from killing the sheep that God had given him and his family had given him to keep protection. And by the way, he protected those sheep with his own life that day when Samuel passed by his life and anointed him king, all of his troubles started. He experienced pain like I doubt very few men have experienced in one lifetime. We know that he faced the giant and he killed him in the power of the Lord's might. And we know that he went there so humbly and said, you come to me with a sword of spirit and the power of everything you have. But he said, I'm coming to you in the power of the Lord. That's all he had. He had a sling. He had stones. And he slew that great warrior. And because it is something wonderful there, the Bible tells us from that day until the day Saul died, Saul became jealous of him. And I want you to think about this just a moment. He hunted David down like a dog for years. Then after Saul was killed, we realized David became king. And we know what happened in, king's, in the king's life. I can't even imagine what happened prior to that. Being chased by Saul and all the struggle. I mean, he was so discouraged. He went to Ziklag. He even went and there to, to, to go to the enemy. And God used that in such a great way. But all of his trouble started when God touched him and wanted to use him. And then we know that then after he became king, the great sin came. And he should have been out leading his army. He was an idol and he was on the roof. And he he laid his eyes upon a woman that was not his. And we know the story. He brought this woman in. And he had a child with this woman. And couldn't imagine, David, the man that God had anointed to be king. And the man that was after God's own heart. He did some horrible things. Horrible things. Because of his sin, he tried to cover his sin. And you know the story. He knew that she was with child. And so he had to make it sound like, had to make it seem like that this had to be done. So he brought Uriah in off the battlefield so he would be with his wife. And He was so loyal to King David that he would not even go into the chamber with his wife. And so he knew that something else had to be done. And I want you to know today, the man that God said was a man after his own heart, murdered Uriah. Murdered him. See, Pastor, why did he murder him? He tried to cover up his sin. And then we know what happens after that. The child dies that he had with Bathsheba, and we know that he married Bathsheba, but then, then the Bible, Samuel came and said, or the prophet Nathan came to him and said, You are the man. And he said, The, the sword shall never depart from your house. And I want you to understand me. David experienced. Problems in his family like very few families would know. His own daughter was taken and raped by his own son. His other son rebelled against him. Absalom rebelled against him. Turned the heart of of the people against his own father. And overthrew the kingdom. I don't know about you. But when you think about your family. When you think about the closest people that you love so much. When they hurt you. This man was hurt. This man knew what pain was. This man knew what trouble was. This man knew what sorrow was in the greatest of ways. We can't even, we don't even, we can't even, can't even understand. I've said this many times. We can try to console people. We can try to encourage people. We can try to help people. But I want you to know something. You truly never know how someone feels until that very same thing has happened to you. You can imagine, you can try, and by the way, we ought to try to encourage people, but sometimes we just have to understand there's a process that people have to have to heal. And We find it here in this passage of scripture. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. And I just want to encourage you this morning, where can we go? What can we do? Is there a bomb? For the sore? Is there a help? Is there a refuge? Is there a hiding place in the midst of the storm? Is there a shelter when everything around you looks like it's going to fall and go away? When you're so discouraged, sleep is a very precious thing to you. What can we do? I've got news for you today. There's a help, there is a refuge, there is a shade, there is a shelter. There is an asylum. There is a rock that is higher and where we need to get to. And it's not a place. It is a person. By the way, I went to Hinton, West Virginia this past week. And I love the river. I told you last week, uh, Lord willing, if we're able to make it there. uh, Man, just getting in that river and filling that water across my white skinny legs. Amen. Standing in that water, boy, and throwing that that three-inch curly tail out there, and just working that current, and you know, there's—I know all you bass for know what I'm talking about? But there's just that little tick that you feel, boy, and when you just when you just bring the pole back, you feel that, and about that time, that little smallmouth comes up out of the water. I'm going to tell you right now, I feel spiritual right now, brother Larry. And that happened a few times. Boy, don't. And I'm going to tell you something, it brought, I, I'm going to be honest, I had some therapy. Boy, I got on that river and I just, I enjoyed it. But I'm going to tell you something right now, that river is not what's going to help me. You can get to the quietest place. You can get to a cabin where there's a rippling brook there, and there's no, you can put your cell phone away, and man, you can go get you some asylum in some location. But I want you to know something. That's not what David's talking about here. In the middle of his trouble, he said, I gotta get to somebody that can help me no matter what's going on, and it's never a place, it's always the person, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our strength, he's our goal, he's our refuge. He's our shade. Man, it's been hot this summer, hasn't it? I mean, just bear down on you. I mean, it's hot, humid. I got up Friday, Saturday morning to come home, and I'm going to tell you right now in West Virginia it was 60 degrees. It felt like falls are coming. I hope falls are coming. But I've learned something in this heat of the summer, man. It gets hot, but you know what? Isn't it beautiful when you can get under a shade tree? And boy, when that heat of life and that sun is bearing down on you and you just don't feel like you can take the heat anymore and you feel like you're just going to fall away with heat exhaustion, I'm thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ is our shade. So I want to talk to you real quick this morning about the preparing. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. See, here's here's how God works. I wish I could say to you, I wish I could say to you today that you're going to be a stronger Christian when you're on the mountaintop. That's not how God works. Do you know when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to become real to you? When your heart's overwhelmed. See, God uses our disappointments. God uses our sorrows, God uses our brokenness to realize that we need to get to a place that we cannot attain in our own strength. By the way, if you're going to be a strong Christian, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have to get your heart overwhelmed. See, God prepares us through an overwhelmed heart. God prepares us through a broken heart. God prepares. David would have never came to that place in his life and said, Oh God, I need you, unless he realized that his heart was overwhelmed. See, we miss it so much. And I'm afraid, Brother Ray, our churches are weak. And here's why our churches are weak. is because most Christians look at their problems and their sorrows and their heartaches just something to get past. And they want somebody to feel sorry for them. But God has greater purpose, a greater reason. When He allows you for your heart to be overwhelmed, He wants to make something out of you. He wants you to realize you cannot do it on your own. You will utterly fail. And I am so saddened today how many Christians I hear and they talk about their heartaches and their trouble like, oh please feel sorry for me. Please feel sorry for me. Please feel sorry for me. And they realize, they do not realize that God is working in their heart to make them realize they need Him. When my heart is overwhelmed. See, he'd never be saying, oh Lord, I need something if his heart wasn't overwhelmed. See, God prepares us through our trouble. God prepares us in our heartache. God prepares us in our pain. God prepares us in the dark nights. As he said in the night watches, God is preparing us. When our heart's overwhelmed. I'll be honest with you this morning. I'm not much. But I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Unless my heart was overwhelmed. You wouldn't be where you're at today. If your heart wasn't overwhelmed. See there's a preparing there. That's God's way. God's way is in the seed. God's way is in the night watches. God's way. When I am struggling. God's way. Is while I am. Struggling in a very present, in my difficulty, the Bible says he's a very present help in a time of trouble. But you'll never recognize he's a present help unless you trust that promise and are overwhelmed in such a way that you want his help. And that you realize that he's real. And by the way, if you're going to go through pain, if you're going to go through sorrow, if you're going to go through some heartache, at least find out why. And here's why. God is trying to bring you unto Himself. That's the goal of life. For thou hast been. He said, why am I prepared here? He's trying to get us to get to Him. So we see the preparing. Number two, I see the pleading here. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. There's preparing. See, he didn't realize it, but when his heart was overwhelmed, God was preparing to do what? To plead. And it's amazing to me what people are looking for. It's amazing to me when people's heart gets overwhelmed. Even in churches today, what they're looking for to plead to think is going to help them. Their plead is from everything, from Buying new things. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with buying stuff. But he just said right there, if you're putting your faith and your confidence and your hope in riches, what happens when you don't have them? It amazes me how we self-medicate in this world, even in church, how we think, oh, well, if I can just get this, if I can just get that, if I can plead for this, if I can get this, if I can attain this, it's going to make me feel better. Those things don't help you when your heart's overwhelmed. David didn't say, if I can just get another crown, if I can just get another victory, if I can just get another mighty man. He says, no, I'm going to tell you right now, Lord, i got to get to You. i got to get to You. The pleading was not about power. The pleading was not for popularity. The pleading was not for something that the world gave. He said, Lord, I've got to have you. The pleading was him. The pleading. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He didn't say, Lord, get me something. Get, get me out of this. He didn't say, Lord, make this feel better. He said, Lord, I just need you. I wonder if we ever gotten there. Y'all ever hear that old song? Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need. All, all I need. Most Christians sing that. They have no idea what that means. Hear me now. Most Christians sing that song, they have no idea what that means. You know why? Because they've never been in that spot where He's all that they needed. And they found out He's all you need. When, that's, when He's all you got, you go find out this, He's all you need. See, that, that song came out of a broken heart. Do you know that all of our wonderful gospel songs, most of them... That are in our hymn books today. Do you know how most of them were wrote? It wasn't because they were on the mountaintop. Most of them were wrote because they were being prepared. They were in a great dark valley. And they got to the Lord where they needed. And God gave them a song. And that song... That helped so many other people it wasn't when they were on the mountaintop, it's when they were overwhelmed in their heart, they were led to the rock that was higher than I and they did get above the snake line. They did realize that the Lord was all they needed, they did realize that the Lord could sustain them, they realized the Lord was their meat, the Lord realized they realized the Lord was their portion, they realized that He was their shelter. We live in such a psycho world. Your children are being pumped full of psychology. They're being told how to fulfill every desire they have, how to be happy in life. And here's what I got news for you when their heart gets overwhelmed, there's only one that can help them. Whether they're young or old, I'm going to tell you right now, I've lived life. I'm 48 years of age. I've experienced the ups and downs of life. And I've just about tried everything, and really, and I don't say that braggingly, but there's things I've tried in the world. I want y'all to know something, don't work. Don't work. It's a false hope. It's a false peace. It's a false joy. But I want to tell you all something right now. And I know y'all know it. I hope you know it. Jesus works. The pleading should be the rock that's higher than I. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. My heart is overwhelmed. There's the preparing. But then we're prepared to plead for Him. And then I want you to notice the products. What happens when our hearts overwhelmed, we realize the Lord's preparing us, we look to Him, we come to Him, He becomes our shelter, He becomes our goal, He's the one that we make a big deal about in our life. You know it produces some things in our lives. You know, we like following recipes, but... I've learned when it comes to the Bible, people don't want to follow those, those recipes. They, they can follow the recipe when they're in the kitchen and they've got this recipe and they're following all of that. Or maybe it's on how, you know, you read these self-help books and, oh, i got to do this. But I want you to know something. We have the recipe right here of how to live a victorious life right here in front of us. There's... Pr- There's things that happens when our heart's overwhelmed, there's a preparing there of the Lord, and we plead and realize the Lord Jesus is there, He's the one that we go to, He's the one, there's things that happens. Do you know what He produces in our life? First of all, and most simple, is just simply this. Do you know what happens when someone realizes that they're a sinner? And their heart's overwhelmed by sin, and they know that they need a Savior and they want to be saved from hell. I'm going to tell you right now when they get led to the Lord Jesus Christ and they trust Him as their personal Savior, you know what He produces in their life? Salvation. He saves them. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that's the best thing that ever happened to me is when I got saved. Are y'all glad y'all got saved? But do you know before you got saved, I'm going to tell you what had to happen. The Holy Spirit of God had to convict your heart and your heart had to get overwhelmed and you had to realize that you needed a Savior. And when you realized that He was your Savior, you pleaded for the Lord Jesus Christ and you trusted Him as your personal Savior. You know what He just did for you? He saved you. From the guttermost to the uttermost. Do you know that if you're saved today, you're already sitting in heaven. You're not going to be saved apart from your heart being overwhelmed by conviction and sin and going to the great Savior and being overwhelmed saying, Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, save me. And you know what He does? He saves you. For God's so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what's tough to do is try to get people to realize they need help. It's like some pride thing today. Oh, I don't need nothing. I don't need no help. I don't need no help. But you know what? We all stand needing help. But I want you to know something. We're all born sinners and we need help. And until our heart gets overwhelmed to realize that we're a sinner and we realize Jesus Christ is our Savior. But when we realize that and we're led to the rock that's higher than I, what he produces in us is he saves us. I don't know about y'all, I'm glad to be saved. Could y'all imagine only living for this life and this is all we got to look forward to? So He produces salvation when our hearts are overwhelmed. If you're here today and you've never been overwhelmed by your sin, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen to me, the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth. He absolutely lived a sinless life for 33 and a half years. He was wrongfully tried, wrongfully accused, put on the cross. He hung there between heaven and hell to pay the sin debt of the whole world. And when he died, he paid your and my debt. And the Bible says that if we'll trust Christ as our Savior, he'll save us. That's a beautiful, I'm glad that's been produced in my life. How about you? And it all happened because I was overwhelmed by my sin. I knew I needed to be saved. But not only that, I see another product here. I look at this pastor's scripture and I see that he produces safety. You know what I would mark this day with? Fear. I mean, Lord help us. I'm not being ugly, but now we've got monkey pox to look forward to. Somebody say "Man." Amen. We've just went through a pandemic. I mean, every if you watch the news, by the way, I've quit watching the news that much because I just get discouraged. I mean, I keep up with things, but good night, if you watch it for 10 minutes, you'll hear the same stories over and over and over and over. But if I would to typify, or if I would to to just say, what is a mark of this, then we'll tell you what? It's fear. I mean, there was a time. That even in Hinton, West Virginia, you can leave your door unlocked. Leave your car door truck door unlocked. If you leave it today, the will not have a truck. I mean, when I was a little boy, you know something you don't ever see? You you ever notice this? Some of you younger people have no idea. Y'all are scared to death to let your children go outside. But when I was a boy, we played out all day. All day. All day. We rode our bikes from 16th Avenue all the way out to 2nd Avenue and across the New River Bridge. Today, they know mama would let their child do that. Why? I'm going to tell you why, fear. Now we're afraid of catching this and getting this and getting this. We're afraid, we're afraid, we're afraid. But here's what's beautiful. David was afraid too, but he says, boy, thou hast been a shelter for me. Do you know what the Lord produces when we are led to Him? He gives us safety. We're safe. We're sheltered in the covert of thy wings. You know the story. I, I was taught this as a little boy. There was a farm, and this farmer had all these animals, and there was this this hen, and she had these little pretty little chickens. And you know, I grew up. My grandma had a farm, and she would have chickens and little chicks every once in a while. And I loved going up to my grandma. You didn't know what you'd find. You'd find a cat had kittens in a drawer. I mean, it was amazing. You got on the porch, you'd open a drawer, and there'd be a bunch of little kittens in there and a cat. I mean, they found the funniest places to have little kittens. You go out to the granary, there'd be a dog underneath the the steps, and there'd be a litter of pups that the dog would just hid and head over there. And then you had chickens running around everywhere. And then one year, she had two mean roosters. I mean, you couldn't even go out of the door without having a switch because, I mean, these roosters would flog you, and they finally took lead poisoning. We got back with them old roosters because I tell you right now, they was dinner. They was with us for dinner one night. My uncle finally came here and shot and killed both of them. But I can remember, man, going out of that door and I mean, as a little boy, we would be so scared walking out that door looking and I mean, so, and, my, and my cousin Renee, we'd say, well, they're nowhere near. And so we go out without a switch and we get somewhere and all of a sudden, I remember being around the side of the house. We was over there playing one day and about that time, man, it was like two gang members come running around that corner of that house, and boy, there they both were. And I'm telling you right now, me and Lark, me and Renee uh, took off running. I mean, they was coming after us, and if you've ever seen an old rooster, they got them big old hooks on their leg. You say, What terrified you as a boy, them two roosters? <laughs> Fear's everywhere. We're living in a day where fear is everywhere. But can I help you? You're safe in Jesus. You're not safe without Jesus. He produces safety. Shelter. I was telling a story about the farm and there was this farmer. He had all these animals and he had this little hen. She had these little clutch of pretty little chicks and one day the barn caught on fire and he tried to get all the animals out, but he couldn't find this mother chicken and couldn't find the clutch. And so, sure enough, they went scouring through after the fire had done its damage. And he looked over there in the corner, and there was this little heap of just bones and kind of this, old, this little old hen still had the feathers on it. And he said, well, I, I know she's dead and all of, her, all of her little chicks are. But he went over there, and he, and he kind of just moved that little chicken. And underneath her wings, every one of them little chicks was safe and alive right underneath the safety of her wings. And the fires may come, the storms may hit, but I want you to know something. We are sheltered in the arms of Jesus. Safe. Strength. It's another pro- product. We live in such weakness today. Weakness. Everywhere I turn, Christians are given reasons to quit. Everywhere I turn, they say, oh, everything's too heavy, Pastor. I just can't do it. No, you can't do it, but He can. He'll give you the strength. He'll help you. He'll give you the courage. Look, I'm not able. I realize that every day. And you're not able. But I want you to know something. When we understand the Lord Jesus Christ will give us the strength. He'll give us the courage. He'll give us the faith. To keep on pressing on. And not just pressing on. But doing our very best to live life to the fullest. You know what else I find in this passage? For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name that will prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. Then verse 8, says, so will I sing praise in thy name forever that I may daily. You know what else he produces when, we, when, we're, when we're led to the rock? I'm going to tell you what else. I'm going to tell you what else. Sincerity. You know what I like? You know what you like? You like realness. You like somebody being real. Real. Not a fake. And by the way, David was not a fake. He was writing from his heart. He was hurt. He was weak. And by the way, I want to share with every Christian here in just a second. I've learned this through the years. It's okay if you get weak. It's okay We've made this thing like in this Christianity that you're never supposed to show hurt. You're never supposed to be affected by things. You're never supposed to have a time to heal. But I want you to know something. We all have to have it. We all have to have it. You know why? Because it's real. You know what's real today? There's people that's walk in this door. They put a smile on their face, but they're devastated inside. Devastated. Hurt. Broke. Heavy. Carrying a heavy load. But you know what? They might cover. You might put a smile on your face, and I appreciate that. But the truth is, if you came here broken-hearted today, it's all right. all right i'm not giving you some self guru help today i'm telling you right now if you'll fight like david to fight i'll tell you right now you will get to the rock that's higher than i and he will help you he will sustain you sincerity just being real you know how i think our church has grown just being real i tell people when they come and visit our church hey what you see is what you get we ain't no perfect people, but we sure do have a perfect Savior. But I'll say this, I like our church family. I like how y'all responded to tough times. I like how y'all responded when someone's been hurt. I like how y'all responded when someone has fallen and they felt they've felt fallen and they failed. And I like the spirit of our church, how we try to restore people. And I'm going to say this, you might not think that's a big deal, but you will when it's your family member. See, it's easy for us to sit around and say, I you what, I don't know why so-and-so did that. No, I love the spirit of our church because we just understand, for we which are spiritual, we do what? We try to restore one in such a spirit of meekness lest we be tempted. Who, who gives us that? That's something we wake up every morning with say, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give, I'm going to be merciful today. I'm going to be, I'm just going to, I'm going to restore someone that's fallen. By the way, I say that's not everyone here, but I will say this, it's the spirit of our church. Oh, I know, I can't say this to be complete, but I know there's the, the normal phone calls or the text, and there's people obviously trying to find out things and trying to, I, I get all that, people are human. But the truth is, I love the spirit of our church. I'm going to say this. I believe we're real. You say, Pastor, how do we get that sincerity? How do we get being real? The Lord does that for us. We all struggle. They're preparing, the pleading the products. And then lastly, I noticed something else here. And that's, this is where we all want to get to. This is where I want to get to. This is where you want to get to. But verse 8 is a powerful verse. You know what else he'll produce? Now here's what's amazing to me. I just kind of mentioned a moment ago. Our hymn book is full of songs of sorrow. They're an encouragement to us. I think of the great H.E. Spafford. that uh, Horatio Spafford. That, that wrote the wonderful song. It is well with my soul. But all of you know the story behind that. That came out of great tragedy and darkness in his life. Yet we've been so encouraged by that song you know when H.G. Spafford, just like any of us, we get to a place where our heart's overwhelmed. God's prepared us. We plead and we make the Lord who He should be in our life. Then he starts producing things. You know what? The last thing that he produced in David's life here, and I think it's very interesting, because someone that's singing normally isn't happy. But he produced the song. Now, I know sometimes we're in the middle of such darkness we can't sing a song. But I want you to know something. When we're led to the rock that's higher than I, just like David, I believe the Bible says, so will I sing praise unto thy name. I believe it creates a song. You may be down and feel like God has somehow forgotten. That you are faced with circumstances you can't get through. But now it seems that there's no way out and you're going under. God's proven time and time again, he'll take care of you. And he'll do it again. He'll do it again. If you'll just take a look at where you've been, hasn't he always come through? for you he's the same now as then you may not know how you may not know when but he'll do it again god knows the things you're going through and he knows how you're hurting you see he knows just how your heart has been broken in two but he's the god of the stars, of the sun and the sea and he is your father You see, he can calm the storm and he'll find some way to fix it for you. And he'll do it again. He'll do it again. If you'll just take a look at where you are now and where you've been. Hasn't he always come through for you? He's the same now as then. You may not know how, you may not know when, but he'll do it again. Trust him in the dark. Sarah takes care of our son. I didn't like the preaching that was on it the other day. It was my preaching. She puts quotes up. I didn't want to see that quote. And I'm not fussing at you. I needed that quote. Because it said, quote, Pastor Mark Brandon. And I didn't feel like I said that quote. You know what Pastor Mark Brandon said? You trust God even when you don't feel like it. That's some pretty good preaching. You Trust God even when you don't feel like it. You know why? He's going to do it again. If your heart's overwhelmed, there's a help. There's a rock. There's a shelter. It's the Lord Jesus. You better get to him and you better stay there with him. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Would you bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment? Where are you at? said, so, Pastor, this morning I'm here and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know for sure if I die. I'm going to heaven. Listen to me, dear one. He loves you. He died to save you. I would not let today go by. You say, oh, Pastor, you don't understand. My life has been so full of sin. That's why he came. He came to save you from your sin. He loves you. That's why He died, to save you from your sin. So just by way of uplifting hands, as a way of testimony this morning, you say, Pastor Mark, I know 100% for sure, I don't deserve it, but my heart was overwhelmed one day. I was convicted of my sin. And by faith, I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I know, That I'm on my way to heaven because of what He did for me. You say, Pastor Mark, just by way of testimony, would you raise your hand in praise and say, that's me, I know that God saved me. Isn't that wonderful? Can I ask this question this morning? You say, Pastor Mark, I don't know for sure. I couldn't raise my hand just now. I'm going to ask you right now. I'm going to ask you. I'm not going to embarrass you. You say, Pastor Mark, I don't know for sure. If I die, I'm going to heaven. I need some help there. Would you pray for me? I'm going to ask you to be brave. By the way, you're in a good place. There's not one person here that will look down upon you. Because they all, if they raised their hand previously, it's because they had to come to a place where they knew they needed to be saved. But I ask you this morning, you say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me? Would you lift your hand high enough where I can see it? Would you just lift it up high enough where I could just see it? Can I ask you to be honest this morning and say, Pastor Mark, I'm struggling this morning. There's some darkness in my life. My heart's overwhelmed. You don't have to tell another soul about it. But you say, oh, that's me. This message has been just for me. You say, Pastor Mark, I want to give testimony to the Lord that He met me right where I needed to be met today. Would you be honest? That's me, Pastor. I want to raise my hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. Look, here's what we need to do. Let's just take a moment in prayer. Why don't you come? Find a place in this altar. Pray. Thank God that He'll do it again. Trust Him in the dark, even when you don't feel like it. Remember this, God is working in your heart to help produce those things in your life. They're going to begin to play. Why don't you come find a place here? If not, you find your pew. Just kneel down at your pew and let's just ask the Lord to help us. He'll do it again. How many of you lost your song? You need to be singing. You need to be singing. Yes, you need to be singing. It might take a while, but it'll help you to get your song back. Maybe we can have some ladies come up here and pray with these ladies. Would you come? Some of you ladies, come gather around these dear ladies. Again, you know, when people go to the hospital, they go to get healed. They get help. They got to get help. That's what I love about the church and God's people. There's healing that goes on here. We're not given a false healing. It's not sometimes overnight, but I'm going to tell you right now, God works. Some of you young people need to listen to me just a moment. If you have this idea that your life, you're going to live it. You're not going to experience any pain, any hurt, any agony. You're not going to have to listen to me. It's false. You're going to deal with it all. So you better learn as a young. And I hope every parent here is teaching their children in the darkest of days. Jesus is always there. Everything else is false hope. Everything else is trying to produce something the world can give. It never helps and heals like Jesus does. Some of you young men, you think you're invincible. You think you're invincible. You think you've got the world by the, you know, hey, you got the, you got it all under control. Listen to me. You don't. You don't. All you young men listening to me, you don't. It's not manly to think you have it. It's manly to trust God and know that you don't have it. You hear me? That's manly. Your wife, your girlfriend, your family, they don't need to know it all. They don't need a superhuman man like you think you are. I'm going to tell you what they need. They need a, a man that's allowed God to break their heart and use something in their life to make them a real man. When the trouble comes, the darkness comes, and it hits, you know how to help them. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for your word. We have nothing without your word. We have nothing without your promises. We have nothing without you. And so, Lord, I pray today that you'll take your word, heal our hearts, help us. Thank you so much. We do pray for the raise and all that they have accomplished. And, Lord, that you'll help them to continue to accomplish great things for you. Their presence here this morning was just a great encouragement to me. Lord, I thank you for the morning stars that's visiting here today. I pray you encourage them. I pray you'll help them with their time visiting with their son and his wife. I pray you'll just encourage them. Lord, I pray for each one that's hurting today that you'll help them. Thank you for our church family, God, each one, each individual. I pray your richest blessings upon all of them today. Now bring us back tonight and help us to have hope in thee. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you do. For we ask it in the precious name of the Lord Jesus and all God's people. Say it. God bless you. Have a great day. Before you leave today, tell two or three people you love them. Encourage them. God bless you.